Welcome to JP Morgan TV. I'm Bruce Kasman. With me this week is Joe Lupton. Hey, Joe. Hey, Bruce. We got plenty to talk about. And I guess I'll frame the start of the conversation by saying we're clearly um, in the camp of saying we're not um, at imminent risk of going into recession. But having said that, we're also not looking for particularly uh, boomy growth here uh, by any means. Uh, and we had looked for um, this week to deliver a, a, a step back in the manufacturing PMI globally and a um, slowing in U.S. Uh, job growth. And we got neither. So we had surprises to the upside on both of these things. And the question is, what's the signal from there? Is it a signal of more strength in the world? And, I, and let me just sort of give the pre, prelude to your answer and say, yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of reasons there to kind of temper any optimism, while at the same time not losing sight of the fact that all of this tempering is a tempering against the backdrop of incoming news that continues to be strongly in the camp of saying it doesn't look like anything is really at imminent risk of breaking. So I know we're going to go into the more weaker stuff here, but let's just keep that point in mind as I unleash the uh, uh, the, the pessimistic Joe, the pessimistic <laughs> Joe. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess so. I mean, I don't know if I'd say pessimistic, Joe, right? I mean, I think my position uh, is not too far from yours. No, it's not. That, but I'm just saying yeah, you're going to go been into looking the for resilience. I and if anything, on this good sector bounce, I think I've probably been I'm on my heels a little bit on 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 that, but I still am sticking to it. As I said, I'm doubling down on that call, uh, and uh, and we think there's kind of still inflation in the pipeline. So. That, put that aside. So what did we learn this week? <laughs> uh, I think, you know, on the manufacturing PMI, that's a real, um, uh, that's a real fake, right? Because I, I think that the headline global did move up. Um, and that is, you know, all else equal encouraging. Uh, in some sense, it supports this view that we think the good sector is going to see uh, an inventory correction and a fading of some of the, the the tech drags that have been holding things back for the last six months. Um, but boy, when you dig beneath the surface of that report, it, it, it doesn't look quite good yet. I, I'm disappointed by the, the May manufacturing PMIs, full stop. Uh, you know, by, by country, it was heavily driven by a large bounce in China that had us confused. And it's even confusing within China because the own MBS survey, which is the more government sponsored survey, actually did move down. The market cash and based index that we use moved up. And that was surprising, I think, over three points. Um, it is interesting. Japan also did see a notable bounce up as well. But if you take those two out, I think you had some pretty disappointing news across the developed markets um, and, you know, U.S., all across Europe, things were down. And then even within Asia, the bellwethers, things were, were on the soft side. Korea was down. Taiwan was down a lot. Uh, you know, Vietnam, Thailand seems small, but they actually are important for kind of tracking the tech cycle. Those were down. Um, so uh, new orders, and then by component, new orders down, inventories down. All right, Joe, um, too much listing of data. Let's uh, step away well, from there. No, but I think that's the point, that if there's a demand story here and new orders are moving down, that that's not good because, it was, as you've been saying, the manufacturing sector should get a lift both as, as inventories need to be aligned and demand's going to run away. Yeah. And that that didn't you don't see that no. in the PMIs. I no, think I agree. I agree. The general point is, look, Things were soft underneath the hood, especially on the demand indicators. Also, 
our sentiment indicator that we pay attention to in manufacturing, the manufacturing expectations index in May, took a decent step down after having uh, had which is really the future output PMI, right? That's kind of the similar data. And it was and disappointing. It's got, it's got the national surveys too. It's got the IFO and some other things in there too. But yeah, yeah. it was it was um, it was disappointing. So there's now, there's baby no Bruce. What I what I would say looking forward is just that I still rely on the fundamental strength, particularly of the consumer, and that's why the payroll report in the U.S. was a was a good sigh of relief in that sense, because it is giving us a sense that jobs are still being generated. Labor income is going to generally hold up well. We got a good set of good spending data from the U.S. And, you know, I think that picture is pretty good. And by the way, the PMIs for employment still are holding up at a at a decent pace. So right. I think and, I, and I think there's a there's another piece of this, which is basically just adding color to what you say, which is that to the extent that something's going to go badly wrong here, it's almost certainly going to be led by the U.S. It's the country that is at most risk. And it's the country that at most matters. Um, so it's in that context that uh, watching the April demand indicators, which not just showed uh, a pickup in good spending by the consumer, but showed a pretty strong durables report in terms of poor capital goods shipment, showed a defense right. sector that's continuing to rise, showed construction that was up. And then yep. following that today with... Uh, uh, I would say more than a sigh of relief. That was a boomy job number. The only problem yeah. with that is there's also some details and when you look underneath the hood here that are less um, uh, positive and, and somewhat less clear cut in terms of how to interpret. There was the fall in the work week, which has now been uh, continuing for basically since the since the start of the year. Right, um, which makes hours actually contracting on the month. Yeah, they contracted on the month and they look like they're tracking flat to slightly down on the quarter. Uh, you know, that by itself doesn't bother me because we are up so much in the first quarter. It's kind of looks like a bit noise there. But mm -hmm. the the fact that you look at the um, the labor market from the household survey point of view, leave aside the drop in um, uh, employment, which I think if you looked at it on a uh, establishment survey basis, uh, it was actually up almost the same as the uh, payroll count. But you had a big rise in unemployed. You had a big move and flow of people from employed to unemployed. It does feel like underneath the hood in the household survey, there's actually something going on, which is reflecting shifts towards um, companies uh, shedding. And I, and I actually think there's a case to be made that both of those messages should be respected at the same time, that there is still strong labor demand in the aggregate, but there is things going on in the economy sectorally that's actually increasing uh, the layoff flow and uh, is... Uh, um, you know, reflecting uh, some business caution. And um, I think the, the good news is that's not, I think, anywhere close to suggesting something like a break of a recession. The bad that's news true. is there's, there's, a mixed, there's a mixed picture here, and it's not as um, straightforward in terms of how you put stuff together in terms of where you're going to be three months and six months from, uh, from now. Um, yeah, I think the, in, in some ways, I, I feel like the, there's been a huge shift in the risk biases in the last couple of months, right? If we went back three months ago, you had, you know, Europe, which was looking like it was kind of accelerating. The worst of the concerned winter shock was, was behind us and they weathered that well, no pun intended. China was booming and the U.S. was looking a little sketchy. You had some of that, the claims data and the looked like labor market was slowing a little more than we felt comfortable with. You had the banking sector stress, you had the debt ceiling, 
Fast forward three months, those two big shocks are off the table now. Banking sector, I mean, who knows? But it certainly feels like it's fading. Well, I think the risk of a crunch is off the table. I think there's still a tightening going on here. Exactly. But the debt ceiling is is obviously done. uh, And the data is just looking better, everything you just said. Then you look to Europe and China, and I think we're just scratching our heads a little bit more. On Europe, it's just definitely scratching our heads without a a strong, clear answer. Obviously, services are a big part of it, but the good sector is just looking incredibly weak there. And then China, we're having debates on the team about should we be optimistic or downbeat on China? I guess I'm turning a little bit more concerned based on some of the the data. Well, I would just caution that I think the right the right balancing here is that, as you said, three months ago, there was a sense that we might be paid to be more worried about the U.S. and the momentum in Europe and China was looking clear cut and up. I think right now we've balanced. I don't think we've shifted in a direction where necessarily the risks are more downbeat outside the U.S. I think we just balance things here. There's interesting mix of things uh, across the big three regions. Um, and it's not clear to me who's the one, you know, if you wanted to talk about relative to our baseline forecast, where the risks are more uh, significant. It's clear to me which is the most important story. Of course, it's the U.S. That's that's uh, yeah. you know that's that's what right. matters. If you had here. to, if you had to pick which of those worlds you want to be in, I think I'll take this world. <laughs> <laughs> but let's let's pivot here to talking about central banks. I think one message um, from the last couple of weeks is that the leadership at the Fed, not with the support of of the entire committee, but the leadership of the Fed looks inclined to pause at the June meeting. Uh, I do think there's a story here which basically says um, Powell was pretty hawkish at the start of the year, um, and that's part because he didn't have to pay the price of damage done in a recession if he's a Fed chair who's fighting inflation. But then with the banking sector stresses in the picture, I think he owns the recession now, and he could be hurt badly if the economy would go into recession in the near term. So I think there's there's an underlying risk bias shift on the chair's part. But nonetheless, that has... uh, been reflected in both his statements and I think uh, Governor Jefferson's uh, statements this week, which we think is in some ways um, aligned with Powell's as he is going to be uh, the vice chair. Um, but then we had today's numbers. We have a, a, a clearly vocal uh, a set of members on the committee who want to tighten. It's going to make for an interesting uh, June FOMC meeting. Uh, yeah, we shouldn't, I, I, we shouldn't for- we shouldn't forget we will have a CPI report that I think is going to be, you know, some, somewhat important for coloring that conversation that's going to take place. And that report comes out on the first day of the meeting. So they'll have that before their second day when the announcement is made. Yeah, but we don't have that uh, before the meeting. So we're going to end up having to sit here and, you know, gauge them. I think the most likely thing they do is is, is pause. I think the most likely thing uh, they do in pausing is make it clear that it's a it's a very loose pause that um, if their concerns that they're reflecting about banking sector stress, uh, their willingness to to build some uh, further monetary policy drag in the system. If those things don't produce uh, negative outcomes or, as you say, produce uh, they're accompanied by significant um, uh, surprises on inflation. We're going to come back here pretty quickly. Having said that, um, I do think you have to look at today's number um, from an inflation point of view and be a little bit comforted because the wage numbers have 
um, definitely um, uh, come off in the average hourly earnings picture. I'm not sure I'd want to put too much weight on that, given that the other wage measures haven't really given that same signal. But if you're looking at it from a Fed point of view, you could say, okay, you had a three-tenth rise in the unemployment rate today. You had an average hourly earnings, uh, which is cooled to below a 4% pace as we're tracking um, you know, the second quarter. Um, you know, that's probably enough to give you the the comfort alongside these other concerns. I, I'm not sure I'd buy that as a as a story. I'd I'd say is going to materialize in terms of much lower inflation. But yeah, for now, I, I actually I mean, maybe I'm wrong, and maybe you know this better. But I, I feel like they probably put less weight on the wage data and more on the CPI data, and this idea of the the wedge between the two being the profit margin. Uh, that they would be willing to tolerate. I've always felt they would would and should be willing to tolerate wage inflation so long as it wasn't showing up in price inflation. We're kind of getting the opposite right now, which is maybe a little cooling in the wages, but the, the price inflation is still running hot. There's been a kind of string of stories, at least in the media, about kind of firms feeling a lot of pricing power to keep passing things on. That would keep me on the hawkish side, even if I'm seeing some of the wages come off. Yeah, I, I think the Fed's trying to track everything. And at this point, it's very clear that if they're going to pause, it's not because they're feeling comfortable with what the inflation uh, complex is delivering. It's got to be because they want to take some time to see how uh, uh, banking sector stress, how the lags in the transmission mechanism work its way out. And I, you know, ultimately, um, it feels to me like we could be very well setting ourselves up for a pause. I mean, that do you think banking sector stress is kind of, I can't, I'm not saying they're going to ignore it, but it really feels like it's been contained and there was some kind of bad players here that have been dealt with. I, I just don't know if I were sitting around the table that I would be very vexed by that. And I've got my, I put my eyes much more back onto the, the, the macro picture. And what do I think is, happening on the inflation side and what do i think is happening on the on the activity side i mean i think there's two pieces to this one is i i agree with you that the the banking sector stress has tempered but there still is a lot of bank lending at the fed facilities there still is a reason to be uh cautious as a result of what uh, has happened um but i think the bigger issue as i see it now is that you have um, a credit tightening that you haven't yet been able to see, touch, and define. Um, and you've already, of course, tightened 500 basis points. So the question is, is it pay to give this thing a little bit of time to settle, to see exactly what's going on? As you know, the board staff is forecasting that the credit tightening is going to build and the economy is going to be in recession at the end of this year. So if you have a, uh, you know, your staff forecasting that, um, why not give it a little time to, to see if you let me ask you on that I, um, I think I saw today Summers was raising an interesting point which I'd be somewhat sympathetic to the idea that okay you can wait but if you do wait you don't quite see the progress we want then you should be open-minded to doing 50 again is that yeah. something yeah I didn't think you would hesitate at saying sure I mean I've been pushing this idea of a pause and restart for a long time. Well, not now, just pause so. and restart. I think that's, but who only, knows? that's priced in, right? I mean, in a sense, right? But it's it's more restart with the 50 because you need to make up the pause. You don't get a get out of jail free card on it. You need to remember that you should have hiked in June. Maybe we need to hike in July and June. Therefore, we're going to do the 50 in, in July. 
Yeah, I, I think there's a bunch of different ways this could play out. I mean, one would be you feel that you've moved far behind the curve. Another is you just feel like you have to lean against it and you just move, but you don't move one time. You could be moving a few times over over a six-month period. There's a lot of ways this can play out. I think that's kind of the fun about where we are here. There's a, a pretty divided Fed committee on this. There's a, a, well, a real- dissents. You think the- yeah, I think there's a certainly a possibility, and um, as we Logan. were talking earlier, I think Logan might be the most likely of the of the bunch of voting uh, members who could who could dissent. I mean, whether there's an official dissent or not, uh, I think we could be assured that there's a dissent in the committee. And in, in in terms of talking about this, there are definitely a a number of people who would like to continue tightening at this point. Um, so. I think uh, it's going to be interesting because I, my, my guess is if the Fed, if Powell is changing his mind off of what he sees today, um, he's going to come out some way uh, through the, the press or something in the next uh, 48, 72 hours and tell us. Uh, I don't think uh, he wants to uh, linger here for uh, all the way up to the meeting with the market pricing and no, no hike and then well, hit I, us I, with a hike. Uh, aren't we in the blackout period? Yeah, we are. But in the blackout period, uh, I forgot about a year ago, uh, that's yeah. when they basically signaled that they're going to move from yeah, uh, right. 50 to 75. So is that the 50 to 75 or 25? I forgot which which one that was, but they definitely signaled during the blackout period. I think it was the 50 stepping up to 75 yeah. that they did at that point. So um, anyway, I think we'll, we'll end it here. Um, we should note week. that you also had a somewhat hawkish uh, speech from Lagarde that kind of underscores the idea that if the Fed is considering pausing, uh, you know, that the ECB still has more work to do. And we still do have two more 25s there. And the speech this week from Lagarde just kind of underscores, makes us feel yeah. comfortable with that. Feels comfortable with that. And, I, and I'll just say in passing, we did have a better than expected inflation report from yeah. the uh, euro area and actually Poland as well. So it feels like there might be a Finally, after quite a number of months of consistent upside surprises on the core readings, uh, some pass through of the falling um, energy price story to to the right. core. But anyway, still too elevated, though. It's st still way too elevated. Um, yeah. But let's leave it there. Let's uh, um, you know thank everybody for listening. There's a lot to talk about here, and hope we can continue this next week on JP Morgan TV. Thank you.